0: I'm not going to discuss the hashtag. We will, however, discuss why that hashtag resonates. The interesting thing about clarity is that it's followed by confusion. Now what? Answers beget questions. There has been much revelation in this season, but even more uncertainty. My instinct is to curl up in fetal position, turn off my phone, and hide under the covers until everything writes itself. That's not living. There's no growth in avoidance. It doesn't even protect me from my fear. The opposite, it protects my fear from me. One of the most fatal flaws is cowardice. Still, as much as I sometimes wish hope would just leave me alone, there's a part of me that can't help believing. I jumped down the rabbit hole of Brene Brown TED Talks. This episode will feature extensive quotes. Shocker. Let me preface this by saying I have a hate-hate relationship with science. Neither of us is too fond of the other. But from the first time I listened to Mrs. Brown speak, I knew instinctively that she told the truth. You're not obligated to agree, but if you're unfamiliar with her work, I think it will be confirming, if not illuminating. I have a bachelor's in social work, a master's in social work, and I was getting my PhD in social work. So my entire academic career was surrounded by people who kind of believed in the life's messy, love it. And I'm more of the life's messy, clean it up, organize it, and put it into a bento box. And so to think that I had found my way to found a career that takes me really, one of the big sayings in social work is lean into the discomfort of the work. And I'm like, knock discomfort upside the head and move it over and get all A's. That was my mantra. So I was very excited about this and so i thought you know what this is the career for me because i'm interested in some messy topics but i want to be able to make them not messy i want to understand them i want to hack into these things i know are important and lay the code out for everyone to see brene brown the power of vulnerability amen spoiler alert life is still messy so where i started was with connection because by the time you're a social worker for 10 years What you realize is that connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. This is what it's all about. So very quickly, really about six weeks into this research, I ran into this unnamed thing that absolutely unraveled connection in a way that I didn't understand or had never seen. And so I pulled back out of the research and thought, I need to figure out what this is. And it turned out to be shame. And shame is really easily understood as the fear of disconnection. Is there something about me that if other people know it or see it, that I won't be worthy of connection? The things I can tell you about it, it's universal. We all have it. The only people who don't experience shame have no capacity for human empathy or connection. No one wants to talk about it, and the less you talk about it, the more you have it. What underpin this shame, this I'm not good enough, which we all know that feeling, I'm not blank enough, I'm not thin enough, rich enough, beautiful enough, smart enough, promoted enough, the thing that underpinned this was excruciating vulnerability. This idea of in order for connection to happen, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, really seen. Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. Okay, but what is shame exactly? Aren't we supposed to be ashamed sometimes? The thing to understand about shame is it's not guilt. Shame is a focus on self, guilt is a focus on behavior. Shame is, I am bad. Guilt is, I did something bad. Guilt, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. Shame, I'm sorry, I am a mistake. There's a huge difference between shame and guilt. And here's what you need to know shame is highly, highly correlated with addiction, depression, violence, aggression, bullying, suicide, eating disorders. And here's what you even need to know more guilt inversely correlated with those things. The ability to hold something we've done or failed to do up against who we want to be is incredibly adaptive. It's uncomfortable, but it's adaptive. Brene Brown, listening to shame. As a Christian, it's this misunderstanding that has totally warped me. I believe in original sin. I believe we're born fallen. I believe in depravity. It's hard to switch that off because I prayed a prayer, especially when I still act to pray. We are new creations with new hearts and new natures. Guilt leads to repentance. This is not bad. Shame leads to isolation. Remember Genesis? Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. The fruit opened their eyes to their inadequacy. Their disobedience didn't make them imperfect. It exposed their imperfection. They lost the ability to appreciate who they were designed to be and became obsessed with what they weren't. Speaking of, the other thing you need to know about shame is it's absolutely organized by gender. For women, the best example I can give you is Anjoli, the commercial. I can put the wash on the line, pack the lunches, hand out the kisses, and be at work at five to nine. I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in the pan, and never let you forget you're a man. For women, shame is do it all, do it perfectly, and never let them see you sweat. I don't know how much perfume that commercial sold, but I guarantee you it moved a lot of antidepressants and anti anxiety mats. Shame for women is this web of unattainable, conflicting, competing expectations about who we're supposed to be, and it's a straitjacket. For men, Shame is not a bunch of competing, conflicting expectations. Shame is one. Do not be perceived as what? Weak. Some research by Mahalik at Boston College. He asked, what do women need to do to conform to social norms? The top answers in this country, nice, thin, modest, and use all available resources for appearance. When he asked about men, what do men in this country need to do to conform with male norms? The answers were, always show emotional control. Work is first, pursue status, and violence. Renee Brown, listening to shame. I am so sorry. I watched Nola Holmes with Christina yesterday, and I was furious when they showed the finishing school. Like King David, I'm quick to lash out at others' injustice while indifferent to my own. I know for a fact I'm a person who puts impossible, unbearable expectations on others. I'm trying to change, but in the meantime, I'm sorry. I don't want to break you i want to help you become the people you were designed to be i don't know how to do that yet but i'm not giving up on you please don't give up on me if i roughly took the people i interviewed and divided them into people who really have a sense of worthiness that's what this comes down to a sense of worthiness they have a strong sense of love and belonging and folks who struggle for it and folks who are always wondering if they're good enough there was only one variable that separated the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging and the people who really struggle for it. And that was the people who have a strong sense of love and belonging believe they're worthy of love and belonging. That's it. They believe they're worthy. The first words that come to my mind were that came to my mind were wholehearted. These are wholehearted people living from this deep sense of worthiness. What they had in common was a sense of courage. And I want to separate courage and bravery for you for a minute courage the original definition of courage when it first came into the English language it's from the Latin word core meaning heart and the original definition was to tell the story of who you are with your whole heart and so these folks had very simply the courage to be imperfect they had the compassion to be kind to themselves first and then to others because as it turns out we can't practice compassion with other people if we can't treat ourselves kindly and the last part was that they had connection and this was the hard part. As a result of authenticity, they were willing to let go of who they thought they should be in order to be who they were. Which you have to absolutely do that for connection. Renee Brown, the power of vulnerability. Sorry, I was too busy tearing up while quoting that to actually insert flavor text here. Just wanted to break up the mega quotes. The other thing that they had in common was this. They fully embraced vulnerability. They believed that what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. They didn't talk about vulnerability being comfortable, nor did they talk about it being excruciating, as I had heard earlier in the shame interviewing. They just talked about it being necessary. They talked about the willingness to say, I love you first. The willingness to do something where there are no guarantees. The willingness to breathe through waiting for the doctor to call after your mammogram. They're willing to invest in a relationship that may or may not work out. They thought this was fundamental. I personally thought it was betrayal. I could not believe I had pledged allegiance to research or our job. You know the definition of research is to control and predict, to study phenomena for the explicit reason to control and predict. And now my mission to control and predict had turned up the answer that the way to live is with vulnerability and to stop controlling and predicting. This led to a little breakdown, which actually looked more like this. And it did. I call it a breakdown. My therapist calls it a spiritual awakening. A spiritual awakening sounds better than breakdown, but I assure you, it was a breakdown. Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. Why am I sharing this? Why do I care so much? Because I keep waiting for guarantees. Because I keep trying to control and predict. Because I keep breaking down and assuming that spiritual disintegration, not awakening. God himself said he made us to love him and to love one another. That is by definition, connection. In order to connect well, we have to live out of our redeemed identities and we have to seed our desire for control. We get to co-create. We are gifted with free will, but we do not get to choose our outcomes. Will we live anyway? Or is every breath just one heartbeat closer to the grave? We are losing our tolerance for vulnerability. And in our culture, we what do we think is synonymous with vulnerability? Weakness. Vulnerability is absolutely at the core of fear and anxiety and shame and very difficult emotions that we all experience. But vulnerability is also the birthplace of joy, of love, of belonging, of creativity, of faith. And so it becomes very problematic when, as a culture, we lose our capacity to be vulnerable. I refer to it as foreboding joy. One of the symptoms that we're losing our capacity for vulnerability is that joy actually becomes foreboding. Something good happens, or we're looking at someone we love, or we're thinking about something we care about, and then we become compelled to beat vulnerability to the punch. Other symptoms. Disappointment as a lifestyle. It is much easier to live disappointed than to feel disappointment. And so this is the person in the after-school movie that's, I don't want to play your stupid game because it's dumb and boring and because really maybe nobody will ask me. We sidestep getting excited about something because we're not sure it's actually going to happen. Low-grade disconnection is another symptom of vulnerability avoidance. We go through the motions. It's like low-grade fever. It may not kill us, but it keeps us pretty miserable. Perfection is one of the... I call it the 200-pound shield. How could anything go wrong if my life looks like an ad? I'm going to perform and please and make sure everything's perfect. And perfectionism has nothing to do with striving for excellence and help. It's nothing to do with healthy striving. People who I interview who are absolutely accomplished and people who strive for excellence are the biggest negotiators and compromisers that I've ever interviewed. Perfectionism is a tool to protect ourselves. Extremism. There's a very simple equation. Faith minus vulnerability equals extremism. Faith is the vulnerability that flows between the shores of certainty. Faith without vulnerability, spirituality is inherently vulnerable. It is believing in things we don't understand or really can't see. Brene Brown, The Price of Invulnerability. Foreboding joy. Disappointment as a lifestyle. Perfectionism. Extremism. I suffer from all of these. Don't kid yourselves. Vulnerability literally means weakness, but we are weak whether we like it or not. None of us is God. All of us together aren't God. The cost of pretending to be okay when we're not is self-destruction. We were not created for mediocrity, let alone misery. It doesn't have to be this way. We get to choose. We numb vulnerability when we're waiting for the call. It was funny. I sent something out on Twitter and on Facebook that says, How would you define vulnerability? What makes you feel vulnerable? And within an hour and a half, I had 150 responses because I wanted to know what's out there. Having to ask my husband for help because I'm sick and we're newly married. Initiating sex with my husband. Initiating sex with my wife. Being turned down. Asking someone out. Waiting for the doctor to call back. Getting laid off. Laying off people. This is the world we live in. We live in a vulnerable world and one of the ways we deal with it is we numb vulnerability. Renee Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. What are the consequences of trying to beat vulnerability to the punch? Here's the consequence to numbing that I've learned. As a vulnerability researcher, I spent the first six years of my research studying shame, empathy, and courage. And the last four years studying joy, authenticity, love, and belonging. And one of the things that I've learned that was very startling for me personally and everyone I've ever met is that you cannot selectively numb emotion. When we numb the dark emotion, when we numb vulnerability and fear and the shame of not being good enough, we by default numb joy. We cannot selectively just numb the dark emotions. We have interesting research around this. We have research that shows us in addiction studies that an intensely positive experience is as likely to trigger relapse as an intensely negative experience. Let me tell you if vulnerability is a sharp edge, there may be nothing sharper than joy. To let yourself soften into loving someone, into caring about something passionately, that's vulnerable. Brene Brown, The Price of Invulnerability. I testify to this. My worst years are a haze, as I can barely remember. I tried to turn off the rage, the grief, the hurt, and I also turned off the joy. I have no idea how I lived through that. The only thing worse than waking up was being awake. The bigger they are, the harder they fall. applies to hope and dreams as well as giants. In this world, somehow an ordinary life has become synonymous with a meaningless life. And so often we are missing what is truly important because we're on the quest for what is extraordinary. Not understanding that in our ordinary lives and the ordinary moments of our lives is really where we can find the most joy. So the question becomes, how do we embrace vulnerability? And here's what I learned from the research. We practice gratitude. We stop and be thankful for what we have. I've interviewed a lot of people who have been through many horrific things from genocide to trauma. And when you ask them what they need, they will tell you, I don't need your pity. I don't need your sympathy. When you look at your children, I need to know you're grateful. I need to know that you know what you have. Brene Brown, listening to shame. I'm guilty of believing I have to be extraordinary to be worthy, to be fulfilled. But as I've had occasion lately to remember the best, most vivacious moments of these 30 years, I don't picture the grand and the great, but the humble and the quiet. I had maybe the best birthday eve of my life in 2020. It wasn't elaborate. I played board games, ate amazing food, and stayed up late with my best friends. Everything I'd never asked for. Who could deserve that? But I savor it. Sometimes you get to enjoy things thrice. The anticipation, the experience, and the memory. Most of life is mundane, but that's not the same as profane. God is knocking. Can we hear him through our escapism? This is what I have found. To let ourselves be seen, deeply seen, vulnerably seen, to love with our whole hearts, even though there's no guarantee, and that's really hard. And I can tell you, as a parent, that's excruciatingly difficult to practice gratitude and joy in those moments of terror when we're wondering, can I love you this much? Can I believe in this this passionately? Can I be this fierce about this? Just to be able to stop and instead of catastrophizing, I cannot say this word, catastrophizing what might happen, to say, I'm just so grateful because to feel this vulnerable means I'm alive. And the last, which I think is probably the most important, is to believe that we're enough. Because when we work from a place I believe that says I'm enough, then we stop screaming and start listening. We're kinder and gentler to the people around us, and we're kinder and gentler to ourselves. Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. If we're going to find our way back to each other, we have to understand and know empathy, because empathy is the antidote to shame. If you put shame in a petri dish, it needs three things to grow exponentially. Secrecy, silence and judgment if you put the same amount in a petri dish and douse it with empathy it can't survive the two most powerful words when we're in struggle me too and so i'll leave you with this thought if we're going to find our way back to each other vulnerability is going to be that path and i know it's seductive to stand outside the arena because i think i did it my whole life and to think to myself i'm going to go in there and kick some ass when i'm bulletproof and when i'm perfect and that is seductive But the truth is that never happens. And even if you got as perfect as you could and as bulletproof as you could possibly muster when you got in there, that's not what we want to see. We want you to go in. We want to be with you and across from you. And we just want for ourselves and the people we care about and the people we work with to dare greatly. Brene Brown, The Price of Invulnerability. Thank you for listening. I'll close with this. My instinct is to be the savior. I want to fix broken things. Originally, I was going to end this episode with an appeal. If you're listening to this and you need a friend, let me know. I'm here. Let's do this together. You're not alone. That's still true. You're probably listening to this because you are my friend, and I love to help. Being with is one of my values. But here's the flip side. If you've made it this far, you have the right to call BS the next time you ask how I am and I blow you off with a very untrue fine. If you're lonely and overwhelmed in a bloody mess... Please don't reach out with the illusion that I am any different. Me, too. But also, you are enough, as you are. You don't have to be more blank or less blank. You may want to be. It may be good for you to be. But you don't have to wait till you've got yourself together to be worthy. You're worthy right now. Me, too. Have a wholehearted weekend, friends.